Uh, we're going to read today in Luke uh, chapter 2, uh, verses, uh, we'll go with 1 through 7, okay? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while the while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What an incredible story. I read that story this morning and ponder it and and I just think about how um, you know Jesus was born just in this modest setting uh, to poor people, you know, travelers really, um, who didn't have much, much to their name, much in their hands, and born being born in this manger in this stable, and there's no room for them. And it's just what a powerful concept that the world didn't have room for what God was giving, you know. This has nothing to do with buying power. And yet our culture ascribes so much power to money. Think about that contrast. Jesus' modest setting, his poor birth, right? Nobody would pick to be born this way, right? None of us would. Not anything to do with buying power, and yet our society elevates money and buying power. Uh, Jesus' birth was all the things that I'd be complaining about. You know, you know, I'm a place, tired of traveling. You know, I have to control over the best place of birth. Our Christmas gets overwhelmed with more and more and bigger presents, uh, more lights, all this stuff, you know. And, uh, and this is something for us to ponder. And I'm praying this morning and also over this month that we would just consider. I don't know how where that where you're going to land and where that leads you, but... Uh, there's a contrast to how Jesus was born and then how we kind of celebrate Christmas, right? And I'm going to ask you, like a, thousands of people across really the world, I guess, um, are going to be spending less. Um, could you spend a little bit less this season and give a little bit more, maybe do a charity or, you know, you just spend less because you don't want to get even caught up in the consumerism. Could you spend a little bit less? Okay, I know it's going to be hard, but could you do that? Here's a couple of my observations that I would love for you to consider today. Uh, first of all, when we look at Jesus' birth, uh, you have to recognize that God sending his son Jesus was for a purpose, for a reason, and it was for a need. Like, this isn't just a story. Uh, Father God sends his son Jesus to you and me, to us. In his birth, this story that's unfolding here, as we read through the Gospels, <clears throat> that will eventually turn the world upside down and change the world. And to this very day, he is still at work doing incredible things. His birth met our needs, our deepest needs. Now, again, no buying powers involved. Maybe, you know, through the, through the Gospels, we recognize that people don't recognize what Jesus is and who he is and what he's doing. And maybe they pick something else. They want him to be the king and in charge and visibly and have power and, uh, you know, and, and have control over the government and law and order. But that's not what Jesus does. His birth met our deepest needs, our long-term needs, what matters the most. 
you could argue that his birth doesn't make people happy, okay? <laughs> but his birth is helpful. It meets our need and uh, understanding that our greatest, deepest need was a broken relationship, disconnection from our Father God, from our Creator, the one who loves us and whom in which we will be most satisfied in. Instead of all these other things we turn to in our sin that was there, Jesus took care of for us, our greatest need. Uh, the reality is, is that uh, sometimes we spend more money uh, because we want people to be happy with us, not happy themselves. Think about that for a second. Like when you give a gift, like it's not just, oh, will this person like it? We're so tied to, wait, will this person like me? <laughs> and we like the happiness of somebody saying, yeah, I love this and their smile because we feel good about it, right? Um, have you ever got something that uh, you didn't, that some, have you ever got something for someone that they didn't like? Don't you kind of take it personally and kind of hurt your feelings, you know? Uh, that kind of, that's what happened. But Jesus' birth met our needs. And so there's needs that are being met here. It's not just about happy. Uh, I believe that we could spend less this season and give people what they really need, which is love, which is hope, peace, encouragement, togetherness. A lot of people are feeling lonely right now. Yes, that gift card or that gift or whatever could be awesome, but they just may, may need a phone call. That actually may be their deeper need. They just may need a drive-by porch visit, you know, or from the driveway visit because they haven't seen anybody in two weeks. Honestly, if you think about it, Jesus' birth met our needs. How could our gift giving actually meet needs and not just our own wants and our own desire for uh, being uh, accept people pleasing and being acceptable, but how could we actually do that? Uh, the second thing is that Jesus' power doesn't require money. Uh, I just I can't emphasize this enough. Our culture is so tied into powerful and money, right? Those two always go together. Uh, power related to money is more money means more choices, okay? Uh, that's what I kind of, you know, uh, tell people about money when they start thinking think through money. Well, money gives us a lot of choices in this world. That's what it means. You can buy this instead of this, right? Choose where you live and all these things. Uh, and we also tend to default, default to money when it comes to gifts. Like, I have to spend something to give a gift. That is not a biblical value, okay? You don't have to spend money to give love, hope, peace, encouragement, togetherness, right? You don't have to spend money for that. Yet we default to that. That's a part of our tradition. It's a part of our culture. It's a part of American society, right? We have money, so this is what we use our, our money for. But the most powerful part of you is not actually your money. Uh, the most powerful part about you is the, your life with Jesus. That's the most powerful part of you. It's not your money, okay? But we tend to default towards gift. Instead of giving from our love or our peace or our patience, which is what really people need. Uh, these are the fruits of the Spirit, right? They're not fruits of power, you know? <laughs> They're fruits of the Spirit. And that's the power in this church. That's the real significance of this. If we could consider what's our true power or have we defaulted to what the world says is powerful, okay? And uh, here's the last thing uh, just to consider is that Jesus' birth uh, was a sacrifice for a divine purpose. And so what I mean by that is uh, to really consider that uh, the money that you ha do have, the gifts you do give, you know, could you consider a divine purpose around that, your money? If you spend less, you can give more to Embrace Oregon and to a charity of your choice or to a missionary who are so your neighbor in need. I mean, it could be 
you know, um, uh, any number of things. Uh, in 2019, Americans spent $1 trillion on retail sales on Christmas. $1 trillion <laughs> retail sales for Christmas, uh, the holiday season in 2019. That's a lot of money. And we recognize that there's a lot of financial need out there. You could help a little bit more with that neighbor, that family member. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are uh, have lost their job. Um, businesses, you could, you know, donate money to a local business right now that's going going could go out of business. In the last several months, I kind of follow the news and I've seen several of my you know, my favorite restaurants go out of business in Portland. Um, this is happening, you know, or they're kind of having to scale back. Maybe that's something you can help with. Um, here's an interesting stat. Uh, Americans spent an average of $123 on their spouses, $123 on their spouses. Now, spouses, husbands and wives, I know you're thinking, wait a second, did they spend that much on me or not? I'm below that. Okay. Uh, don't mean to create an argument there. But just to consider that if you really sat down with your spouse and said, do you want me to spend $123, $123 on you like every other American <laughs> on average? They'd probably say no. If you just have a discussion around that, maybe probably something different. They maybe don't even need you to spend a dollar on really the kind of gift they want from you if you really can do that. Uh, here's another interesting stat. 20% of American people will go into debt to give gifts. Okay, 20% of people will go into debt to give gifts. Um, one of the challenges with that, as I think about that, is... Um, we're going to go into debt and to owe other people to give gifts. And yet uh, when Jesus came, he didn't come to create debt. He came to pay debt off. You know, you may think that's cliche or kind of cheesy, but just think about it for a second. Jesus coming was not adding a burden to people. Jesus came to relieve burden. Jesus came to bring healing. Jesus came to bring relief, the ultimate relief, our deepest needs. Jesus didn't come bearing debt. He came to take that debt on. And in our American culture, 20% of us will go into debt to give gifts because we feel like we have to, we feel like we got guilt going on, like I do sometimes. Uh, we feel like we get caught up. You know, I'm looking at, like I said, that picture I showed you, my neighbor decorating all, spending all this money and walking around the neighborhood and I see this Dog, light up dog in somebody's, you know, uh, yard. A, you know, my kids want a 30 foot snowman or whatever, you know, I see a, a train in somebody's yard, all these cool things. I want all these things. I want my house to look that way. I want to be careful that I don't take on just so that I can put on this comparison thing and feel better about myself or my Christmas giving. So uh, to close today, I just thought to give you a few questions. There's a lot of questions today, I know. Just a few questions to consider about spending less. Um, before you buy gifts, okay, uh, before you buy that gift, um, maybe you've already bought all your stuff because it's Black Friday already happened, but um, before you buy that gift, could you just think about a couple things? What question, why am I giving this gift? Honestly, why am I giving this gift? Um, do I need to buy something for this person? And again, this is me. Uh, my answer to that first question, why am I giving this gift? It's not for any set of guilt. I don't want to feel bad. I don't like that feeling, feeling bad. You know, <laughs> uh, I feel like I have to. Uh, there are some years over my journey of the last, you know, 10, 15 years, we're going to go through this advocate conspiracy concepts where I intentionally don't give a gift to somebody. 
because that was part of me working through my guilt, you know, or I give something really small, knowing that I don't ever do something that small, or I, again, spend less, right? Do I really need to buy something for this person? Do they really need this thing? What do they really need? Do I have to spend money on this? But could I give something else? Buying power is money in America, but that is not the gospel story. That's not Jesus' power. He's greater than that, right? What's his real power there, right? What's your real power? Uh, if I didn't give this gift, how would I feel? Ooh, I don't like that question. Uh, this is maybe even harder to think through. How would the other person feel? You know, if you didn't give um, so-and-so a gift, how would the other person feel? And I'm not telling you what to do. Don't blame me. Everybody hates you, okay? <laughs> uh, but you know what? Just think about it for a second. I want you to uncover some of those things inside of us. Why do I make a big deal about these things? Can't we just have a Christmas like everybody else and do all the? Well, here's the, here's the reason why. Because I've been pastoring for a few years, been in ministry for 20. I've done a lot of my own personal study and reflection and learning. And here's the problem. You will get caught up on this. And it'll end up hurting your own heart and your relationship with God. And I'm your pastor, and I want the best for you. That's why I talk about these hard things, okay? All right, here's a, a couple other good ones, okay? Um, why do I think this person would like this gift? What could they need more? How could this be meaningful to them? What's really, what are they, what are they, actually, just think about people's needs right now. What do they really need? I am telling you right now, people would trade a $100 gift card for a visit from the driveway. I'm telling you, people would trade a $100 gift card, okay, $50 gift card to wherever, for uh, a note that tells them about all the things that you love about them. I'm telling you right now. Uh, and as I've made pastoral connections with you over the last couple of months, what I'm seeing in the national media and news about reports of mental health, I'm telling you, okay, you may feel good giving, spending $500 on this special gift you're sending to somebody, but I'm telling you, there's some other deeper things that they would just love from you, you know? Uh, could be apology. I don't know. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> here's the last one. I know this is hard, but how does this gift reflect how Jesus gave? You know, rich people don't give better gifts because Jesus gave us the best gift and he wasn't rich in our standards. Okay. Rich people don't give the better gifts. I'm telling you. What do I expect in return? You know, that's a good question, too, to think about. I know I brought on a lot of questions here. Uh, it's kind of hard, I know, to explain this to your kids. Uh, it's kind of hard to make changes. I'm here to talk about it. Uh, we sent you this past week an email that has relational gift ideas. These are relational gifts that will cost little or no money that would be an incredible blessing and could help you to this season. Don't feel the pressure. Sorry, I can't say don't feel something, but uh, give yourself a break from the pressure of being like your neighbors down the street, like I'm trying to give myself that break. Uh, give yourself the break from many, many years of spending way too much money, being angry and frustrated about it. Give yourself a break from that. Could this Christmas season be about worship, being about in the space to love well, uh, to be able to give more. Maybe you could kind of wrap up in a gift, put it underneath your tree, you open it up, and all that says is, we blessed this person or we blessed Embrace Oregon with $200. And as a family, we just 
you do that and you just thank God. Thank God that you gave us $200, God, to bless someone in need.